0: Hello, and welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. I'm Kate Fisher, and I'm your host. I've written this podcast to give blood product recipients a platform to tell their stories, to thank donors, and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets, or breast milk. This podcast creates a space for blood product recipients and the people who love them to tell their stories of survival. It aims to bridge the gap between donors and their recipients. This pod takes you on a journey where you can share in the celebration of the amazing lives recipients go on to live, the contributions they make to their communities and the joy that they bring to those around them. Anyone who has ever been a donor could have been the one who saved the lives of these people. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. If you have just joined us and would like to hear the story of the podcast namesake, our amazing daughter, Marley, please go back and listen to episode one in your podcast feed. It tells the story of our amazing five-year-old daughter who has seronegative autoimmune encephalitis. It describes how for her, plasma infusion is both life-preserving and when she relapses, it is life-saving. It explains why we are so grateful to Australian plasma donors because without their generosity, we would no longer have our little girl. Today's guest is Australian artist Chloe Wigg. She lives with multiple autoimmune conditions, including myasthenia of gravis, for which she relies on intravenous immunoglobulin infusion to preserve and improve her quality of life. This is the same treatment that Marley has, and you will hear to us refer to this as IVIG during this episode. And you will also hear a reference to the medication with the bubbles. This is also IVIG. Chloe produces and creates amazing art from her studio in Queensland. She is a fluid impressionist and creates intricate, evocative paintings. She describes her art as expressive and playful, a wonderful celebration of life portrayed by someone with a disability. Her art challenges audiences to see the beauty in the bigger picture and find solace in the details. It is our honour to welcome her to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. All right, so Chloe, welcome to the Milkshakes for Marley podcast. Um, Before we get into all of the details of your autoimmune conditions and the benefits you get from being a blood product recipient, we just touched on it before, but we need to talk about your new pup. So whether you call him Dusty or Apollo, Marley put in her vote a little bit earlier. (laughs) Um, But what are you hoping that he brings to your life?
1: So... You know, he's going to be trained as a as a service and and medical alert dog, um, which are both very important roles. But also, just to make this incredibly challenging medical time of my life a little bit less lonely and a yeah. little bit less scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we, I was re, I've been really sick these last two weeks, and my parents were visiting, and they have two little dogs, yeah. and um, and I, I really couldn't move, and I I, st- I tried to walk from the lounge room to the kitchen, and I got about a meter and a half and I'm like I need to sit down or I'm gonna fall yeah. and so I just was sitting on the ground for about half an hour and the dogs wouldn't leave me they, they were yeah. sitting on my lap and every time I tried to get up they were like pouring at me and they're like uh-uh, mm-hmm. no no don't don't get up yet and I realized yeah. that I didn't have enough I didn't have enough muscle power to do it and so they, they were there as like this warning and that was us going okay yeah no this this is going to make a significant impact like having having a dog having a dog trained to do that, but also just having a companion so that when yeah. I do have to sit on the driveway or the lounge room floor or the kitchen floor or the hospital floor, just any floor I find, having mm-hmm. someone that will sit there with me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and I know that you've been following Marley and Paddy's journey a little bit yeah. as well. And we have found that, you know, he's phenomenal in terms of his ability to alert to seizures and to let us know when she's not feeling well. Um, yeah. But equally so, the companionship that he has provided her and his ability to support her through medical trauma and coming to spend time in hospital with her and you know all of those days where she is just stuck in bed and she isn't able to do things she's got that constant companion and he's been so so phenomenal for her rehab as well you know when she's really tired and she doesn't want to get up and do her physio and stuff she'll get up and take patty for a walk or Perfect. she'll come yeah. out and take Patty and throw a ball for him so we've been able to really integrate a reason rehab to do it. into spending time with Patty and then it doesn't feel yeah. like therapy right like it feels like yeah that's right with her dog. When,
1: so, when it's part of just doing life that's right
0: yeah so we're really really excited for you and your journey so we'll have to make sure we check back in with you next season or something yeah. and see how things are progressing with the training and how you found it all
1: That'd be lovely. Hopefully yeah. what you find is a really well behaved dog and not <laughs> and not just this yappy adorable fluff ball that yep. isn't going to do anything that we're trying to
0: train it to do. Look. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get the dogs together for a play. Maybe that can be, yeah, our that would be lovely is that we'll get them yeah. together for a play. Okay. Um can you detail for me the autoimmune conditions that you live with and how they impact your quality of life?
1: Yeah, so um, I found out at the start of this year, I have Myasthenia Gravis. Mm -hmm. It's
0: quite a mouthful. It Um, is. I'm glad (laughs) you helped me pronounce it because I was a bit concerned about how I was going to have a go at that. So thank you. You're welcome. I actually,
1: yeah, now when I tell people, I actually put in brackets the the pronunciation um, because it's, yeah, it's really hard. Um, Yeah, yeah, so there's about roughly about 2000 people in Australia with this condition. So it's quite rare. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a heat affected condition so obviously living in Queensland with a heat affected condition has been really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, How we found it out, I um, had my son about four years ago Mm -hmm. and he was about seven months old and I just, I couldn't stay awake. I was so tired and people kept going yeah having a newborn it's really tiring and I'm like I'm not sure
0: I think you it's quite more
1: comprehend. than that yeah. like, I'm trying to eat dinner and I fall asleep at the table mid-bite I'll be talking to someone and I'll literally fall asleep talking to them like my yeah. words would be slurred I and my husband goes to me oh, you know what you look like you look like a toddler you know wow. when they're eating and then they're rubbing yeah. their face and you can just and that's exactly what I was doing I was just yeah. I was so unbelievably tired that i was i looked exactly like a child you know when you look you you like you're tired yeah I'm absolutely tired. and i was doing the exact same thing mm-hmm. i'm not tired um and it took a long time to try and figure out what was going on because it's all very vague fatigue is a vague symptom it and is, yes. there's yeah. so many things that can just cause fatigue from having a small child to you know chronic fatigue syndrome which is what they thought at the start and all this sort of thing. And I finally, I saw a really good cardiologist because my heart rate started going crazy and right. I started not being able to control my body temperature. So I would, we went on a cruise, you know, back in the day when you can actually <laughs> holiday. <laughs> when you could
0: leave your house at all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I, um, the very first moment we got on the cruise, they were doing the nut bush and I'm like, oh, honey, hold the baby. I'm about to tear up this dance floor like I am the Nutbush Queen. Heels or no, I go to town on the dance floor with Nutbush, and I'm I'm always that one that like verbally says out loud like side side like tells everyone what we're doing. Such an Aussie <laughs> girl. I love so, that, I, and that's how I learnt. Like someone in front was always saying it, and so we always said it, and so now I'm always the leader of the Nutbush. Anyway, my husband's like, um, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "I love Nutbush." Yeah. I was about 30 seconds, maybe I lasted a minute into it. And my heart rate was over 200. And I was wow. like, I feel like I'm dying. I, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. I had to like go under a table and like, it's like, that place is packed. And so I had to lie down and I'm under a table and I am sweating. Mm-hmm. And my heart rate, I feel like I was having, like my, it was like the pressure in my chest. Oh. Um, and then I couldn't cool down. I was so wow. hot. And I could not cool down. And I'm like, okay, it's not like I've been dancing for the last hour. Yeah, I, I, sure. did, I did like this tiny little bit of activity and my body has gone. Uh. Uh-uh. Mm. And so in the end, we had to like get early access to our room so that I could get into to a shower because I'd stopped sweating. My temperature was like at 40 or something. It was like oh, wow. through the roof. It was really scary. Um, and that was kind of sort of the first thing where like something really big is going on. Um, and so we finally got in to see a really good cardiologist. And he's like, this is dysautonomia. You've got POTS and dysautonomia, inappropriate heart rate and your inability to control body temperature. He's like, look, I can give you medications for the heart rate. And POTS is, is quite common with, you know, I've got um, Ellis danlos syndrome which is another, yeah, um, uh, yeah so it's a connected yeah, tissue. It's I actually, actually understand
0: that one. That was one of the ones that we looked into very closely for Marley. So yeah, I and so this. I saw
1: your zebra. I'm like, you're all over yeah. this. So definitely I have that and, and and pots and dysautonomia do go hand in hand with eds so he's like look uh-huh. this can just be part of your genetic condition but if you've never had problems with it before and it has sort of come on like this it can also be an autoimmune disease and a lot of times people with eds um get a lot of conditions attributed to their disease when mm-hmm. they are susceptible to getting it but it's not just part and parcel of the standard condition so he referred me to a neurologist a really great one in brisbane and this is dr sandstrom and he said look like what dr nikwan said it could be your eds but it Uh, could also be an autoimmune disease hiding behind your eds mm -hmm. and it's really hard for us to figure it out so what we're going to do is we're going to treat you as if you have an autoimmune disease and if we start getting some improvement, then we know it's an autoimmune disease, and then we can go from there. And so that's mm-hmm. how I started having immunoglobulin. Yep. Um, and thank goodness, like in the public system, there's no way they would do that. They, no. there's no way they would go. Let's start treating something and see mm-hmm. if we get some benefit. They have to be able to put a name to it. And I'd be dead if I'd had to yep. wait. Absolutely. So, yeah. It, 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 it's you know, looking back on it, I'm really, I'm really lucky that we went the, the way we did the progression. So I started mm-hmm. having um, fortnightly immunoglobulin and look, they're not an easy infusion to have. Yeah. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's I explain it to people like having a liquid hangover um, yeah. or at the very start, I was really reactive to it. So it was like getting the liquid flu. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I'd feel run down and body aches and headaches and sort of snuffly and just all of the side effects of drinking without any of the fun (laughs) (laughs) No, headaches and dehydrate. No, there's no nut bush here. Um, but what we were finding is, you know, I wasn't like, I was eating dinner with my plate to my side so that if I suddenly fell asleep and face planted, I wasn't going to face plant on a ceramic plate or in my cutlery. I was just going to hit the table. Um, And, you know, I know, like, I've had people go, why don't you just eat in a chair? Like, why don't you just sit at the couch? Like, it's it's hard to explain. Many people have like different ways that they do life. But to me, eating dinner at the table with my family Mm -hmm. has been my one cornerstone, no matter how bad I feel, no matter how awful life is going, unless there's unless I physically cannot get out of bed, Mm -hmm. I will get up and sit at the table and eat with my family. It's like, it's it's just it you know sometimes it's get out of bed and get dressed in the morning that's my one little thing that I cling on to no matter what otherwise things can you know things can drop away really quickly and that was the that's Mm -hmm. the one thing I really try and hold on to um and so it's really hard like sitting at the table and like my husband would be sitting next to me so that if I fell asleep he could catch me so I wouldn't fall off my chair like it it, got pretty and it it got pretty dire and then I, I was having these IVIG infusions and I was eating dinner and I was walking around. And I was actually, I said to my husband, I'm like, Do you want to watch a movie? And he's like, <laughs> Wait, you want to watch a movie? And he's like, No, you ate dinner, you've had a shower, and now you're actually awake past like Mason's bedtime mm-hmm. and you actually have enough energy to watch a movie. Like, it was but it was it's really astounding. Incredible. It's
0: such magic yeah. stuff. We call it our liquid and, gold because the difference oh, it makes it's such liquid gold. No, it really it's is. been life-saving for her at times, but just in terms of being able to explain to people how much it improves her quality of life and her enjoyment of yeah. life, it's yeah, it's just such yeah, amazing. It's amazing. Stuff.
1: And before I had my first infusion in the three weeks leading up to it. I'd been on antibiotics five times and it was just wall to wall infections with different things. It wasn't, it wasn't just like this chronic lingering. It was just like, I've got a small son that goes to daycare. And he was, he was having, you know, like a 24 hour fever or something. My husband, who's also immune suppressed, he wasn't even getting sick and I was just weeks of sickness. And then I'd catch the next thing before like I was just so sick and then started having my liquid gold and my son was coming home from daycare with a snotty nose and I wasn't catching it. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, I don't have to be afraid of my son anymore. That's like amazing. That was, that was a, yeah. yeah it's, mm-hmm. And so it was really, really amazing. Like the loading dose. So the five days in a row <laughs> was really hard. That, yeah. <laughs> that was hard. Um, and I actually have to have that again next week. So we're doing, okay. um, we do the loading dose every six months now, Right. Um, but I've got a port now, so that makes it all a lot wow. easier. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So Marley, um, has, we've actually just had to have hers taken out, unfortunately. But she calls hers her yeah. special button. So she just absolutely mm-hmm. adores special That's button. That's so cute. Yeah. And when we had to have it so much removed, better. you know, it's hard with kids because they grow and their bodies change. And, you yeah. know, it was had just Fantastic. run its course. Um, and so we've just had that one taken out, but when she woke up, do I still have special button? Could they save it? And I was like, baby, they couldn't. But then with, you know, a week later took all the dressings off and stuff. And she's like, I've still got my special button line where the scar is. And she just wanted some physical marking on her body to show that's where it had been. Um, oh, so, so when sick. we go to have another one put in, we're actually going to move it down onto her rib cage. Apparently that's yeah. a little bit easier to access for kids of that age. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Um, it's always fascinating for me to talk to adults that have experienced these things because when Marley first became sick, um, she was only three. So her, lang- you know, expressive language is pretty limited. Yeah. Um, And then she lost language altogether for a long time and she couldn't talk at all when she was at her sickest. Um, So to hear you talk about your experience of having IVIG, it's not something that she's been able to articulate to me, yeah. but she also knows when she needs it. And she'll say to me, mommy, I think I need some more plasma. Yeah. So she obviously craves-
1: And you can, yeah, you can feel it. I, I can like mine, I have it every two weeks and we can like, we literally could- put the calendar up mm. and I could mark I'm probably going to need my I'm probably going to need to do the loading dose again in this amount of time because yeah. I can tell how many days like first day after IVIG is rough like yeah. rough it's yeah, hangover yeah. day you know we always as that that's about a write-off day yeah, um, yeah. three days after is peak time and I'm like on top <laughs> of the world I'm like come at me has anyone got nut bush yeah. um, <laughs> and then it you know it starts petering off like at the very start it holds the whole week and I can just feel the day that I go in I'm you know I'm a bit tired yeah. um, but now like I had my I had my infusion um a fortnight ago mm-hmm. and it and it didn't do anything and we're like yeah. okay we're at that yeah. point again we're yeah. at the point again where I've yeah. got some tolerance to it and it's time mm-hmm. to yeah, do yeah. Some more?
0: when we moved up to queensland so we relocated from canberra up to the sunshine yeah. coast um we've been up here for 12 months now um because there's no pediatric intensive care unit in canberra marley kept getting airlifted wow. to sydney all the time so we had to relocate so that she had a local yeah. pq to keep her safe and yeah. our, with you know don't move in the middle of a global health pandemic no I really recommend that with an immunocompromised i can't tub. imagine it was easy Look, Hard not recommend, but that's okay. Here we are. Um and they wanted to, with quarantine requirements and a few things that were changing, we just need to delay your trip by four days. And we were like, Mm-mm. we we can't. Like we're on yeah. at that stage, we were on a 10-day treatment cycle. So yeah, we had it organized. So you know, she would be in hospital Friday, Saturday, Sunday having infusion, we'd get on a plane on the Sunday night, we could do our quarantine requirements, and then she'd be back in for her next IVIG infusion. Yeah. Um, which was also tricky to organise between switching states. So moving to have that expenditure yeah. to Queensland to pay for the IVIG and having the blood product available. Um, so, yeah, I totally understand that timing thing. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah. One yeah. of the things that we're doing with this podcast is um, changing the narrative from um, special needs person in a family to switching that language to um, an additional needs family because when you have someone like with injury illness disability chronic health condition in your family inevitably it impacts on everybody in your family it really does yeah um we sort of we've got three children with additional needs but we started to push back a bit on it particularly as Marley got a bit older it was almost making it sound like it was her fault that things in our yeah.
1: needed to change
0: and, you know, this yeah, isn't a, so there was a bit, blame component, um, yeah, but it's right. important to acknowledge the way that that impacts on all members of your family as well. So yeah. how have you found motherhood with Mason? I guess if it really the onset came on yeah. when he was only seven months old, you really haven't experienced motherhood without having a chronic health condition. Yeah. So I
1: didn't start having, I didn't start having IVIG until, uh so I've had it for 18 months. So he right. was nearly three. So he was three. Yeah. So there was a long time between when I started being symptomatic and when we finally had a diagnosis and actual help. So Mm -hmm. uh, 10 out of 10 would not recommend being really significantly unwell with a very small child. Absolutely. Um, And before one of my other conditions, I had to fly, we had to fly to Melbourne. Um, I had to have neurosurgery at the start of 2020. Wow. And so we had to fly down there, have the surgery, wait two weeks to make sure there was no complications and stuff, and then fly back as the first COVID cases were happening in Australia. And um, oh, it was, it, yeah, anyway, would not, would not recommend, yeah, but once again, you know, these things, the things just would not all the things would point, not recommend, so. <laughs> um, but very lucky that I got it done. You know, uh, if it hadn't been postponed in any way, then it would still not still be able be to waiting. happen. Yeah. I'd still be waiting um so I'm very thankful that it happened when it did but um yeah I mean we've had a Mason's had a very different life than a lot of kids I would say and it's Mm -hmm. it has been a little bit hard um you know like I had a a, I have a great mums group and I've got lots of wonderful friends but it is hard to have such a different parenting experience and to try and find common ground Mm -hmm. you know like the things the things that I complain about Are very different to the things that other people complain about, and sometimes it's hard not to get um, what jealous or envious, they're they're you know, they're negative words, but just a bit, just a bit oh, wistful. The things Mm. that other other parents get to complain Mm. about,
0: and I'm like, I just wish I could do that, yeah, not just complain about, like, I wish that could be, yeah. We have a little saying in this house when it comes to things like that that you smile and nod at the time, and you do all of the things, and then you'll come home, you'll have a deep breath, and you'll just say. Get a real problem. <laughs> and it's, you know, people don't ever mean for that to happen. And I think, you know, you never want no, to alienate people from communicating with you at all because I found it really difficult when Marley was at her sickest that my friends just stopped talking to me. You know, no one thought yeah. they would bring me and they would only ask about Marley and they would ask about yeah. you know, logistics. You know, does, you know, do you guys need meals this week? You know, can we pick up the boys? Can I Amazing. Help? But no yeah. one would tell me about, you know, I got a new job promotion or I hate my hair cut. that's right. Or, you know. Here,
1: let me tell you about this small interaction that I had with someone that
0: I think you'd yeah. find funny. And it's that really difficult yes. way to find that balance, I think. Um,
1: it's that normal person stuff that you lose. Yeah. So I think
0: it's important that we have these types of conversations so that, yeah, sort of opens it, it really up. It really is. Um, yeah, it really is. So I wanna talk a bit more about your art and the way that you balance your health conditions, your art and motherhood, and particularly about the way you communicate the experience of living with an invisible disability through the art that you create.
1: Yeah, really good question. So uh, balancing art being incredibly unwell and motherhood, it's this year has definitely been, um, look, if I say roller coaster, it really doesn't explain quite as, yeah, so, sorry, that was just a whole That's lot of okay. words. consecutive try <laughs> roller coasters. You just haven't been able to get off the roller coaster by the sound yeah,
0: of it. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, like, at, towards the last year, I really, like, after my surgery, I was like, I have so much to mm-hmm. say. Like, I want, I want, like, I never make upset, angry art. My art is very emotive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even when I try and vent my frustrations on the world or how unfair it is, like, come on. Yeah it still comes out being really peaceful because through the process of creating, I I find that peace that I didn't know I needed. And you know, like my, my aunt is the place that I can, I, I go in the the world makes sense. It's a way of mindfulness for me. Um, I've never been someone that could do mindfulness. I've got a very fast mind and I'm a very fast person. Um, and so, you know, telling me to sit quietly and think of nothing, Mm -hmm. I'm like, in my head I'm like well that's like saying don't think of a rabbit now I'm thinking of a rabbit I wonder what rabbits do wonder why they can't be in Queensland I'll look that up oh yeah
0: because of that okay and then I'm and how cruel that you've been afflicted with the conditions that you have if that's your baseline
1: yeah that that's my baseline and so I, I really couldn't practice mindfulness and I really needed to and this was even before all the MG stuff and I um I started, yeah, I started drawing and painting particularly in watercolour and that's just complete emptiness and I was just so absorbed and, you know, bodily hurts, stresses, fears, like all of it just floated away for Mm. a little bit. They weren't gone. I didn't solve world hunger. I didn't make life better for me. I just had periods of time where I wasn't under the crippling weight of all of the woes that were happening and that time is so important and so when you know when i really started so i started getting hand tremors and i started getting really fatigued and i've had surgery on my neck so i couldn't i couldn't do traditional pencil and paper or paintbrush work because my hand tremored so much that the lines were all jaggedy and it ended up being this frustrating and depressing thing where i wanted it to look like this but my body couldn't do it anymore and so i'd just be angry at myself and that's not a good place to be so I started doing this acrylic pour. Um, I was watching lots of videos. When I was really weak, I couldn't move. And so I was watching lots of uh, YouTube right. videos. And I was just like, oh, I find this so beautiful and it's so calming. And so I was like, I want to give it a go. And so I started doing it and I was like, oh, <laughs> this is pretty. <laughs> this is very pretty. And I can do it because even if my hand tremors, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter and i can rest and i can pre-prepare so on days when i'm really weak i can still create and i don't have to do all of the prep work and um and so that was really important and it's it's yeah, it's just this huge mindfulness endeavor for me that became an entire life mm-hmm. thing um and yeah so last year recovering from the surgery it i put so much of myself into my art and i really like i thrived and my business thrived and everything um and i had an exhibition at the logan art gallery huge success yeah. a few weeks into the exhibition going i was in a hospital bed i couldn't walk i couldn't breathe i couldn't eat or swallow i if i tried to move i was shaking i couldn't it looked like i would had a stroke so i couldn't open this eye my eyes were cross-eyed underneath i, I couldn't i didn't have the Um, muscle power to move my tongue to actually get food into my throat and even if I did I didn't have the muscle power to get the food down into my stomach it was terrifying Mm -hmm. it was such a terrifying time and people are like I had a few friends go do you think you worked yourself into a hospital bed (laughs) and I was like well that's incredibly (laughs) inconsiderate to say right now isn't it I mean yes (laughs) I did because I worked too hard and my body has paid the price, but if that didn't happen. So what we know now is that was a myasthenic crisis. So with myasthenic you can get a myasthenic crisis. And it's just this sort of storm. You lose all of your acetylcholine, um, your acetylcholine esterase. I'm just going to call it ACH because it's a lot shorter. Uh, Yeah, but you lose all your neurotransmitters. And so you literally, every voluntary muscle under your control, Mm -hmm. if you don't have any ACH, you can't move them. So your diaphragm is a voluntary muscle your eyes, voluntary yeah, muscles, sure. swallowing, breathing, moving, all of those things are voluntary muscles. And if you can't move them, you're in a lot yeah, of trouble. Absolutely. And so that's where I got to. But that led to a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in that event, it, I'm thankful that it happened. Um, so this year, I've had to learn something that I learnt before and must have forgotten is a fine art of yeah, absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> So this year has been, I haven't actually been able to make much art this year Um, and that's okay. You know, I I went, you know what, there's, there's, you know, people talk about the glass balls and the plastic balls and, you know, you're juggling and sometimes you just got to let some plastic balls drop. This year I was just like, just drop, like got to the point where everything has to fall Mm. And I need to catch one or two. Like we are, we are battle stations. We're in the fetal position here, Mm -hmm. desperately trying to stay alive. So, what is the bare minimum that we can do that will keep us happy, healthy? Well, I'll take healthy away, but (laughs) mentally, mentally resilient to withstand what we're going Mm -hmm. through right now. And you know, and so for me, that was okay. I have very little energy. I basically, I have my IVIG treatment and then I know that there's a period of about a day or two where I can mm-hmm. do stuff. And so I made sure that my son's day off school is on a Wednesday. So that's the yeah, best that's day beautiful. after IVIG. Yep. And so that energy I could use to make a painting. I could use it to find my mindfulness spot and to you know, to sell it, to get some money to help pay. We're just hemorrhaging money. But it's just, I need, to be there for my son and I need I need to be there for my son for myself Mm. like I I miss out on so much and sometimes I'm so lonely because all I can do is lie in bed and hope that if I rest enough I'll be able to eat dinner and I can hear my husband playing with my son on the trampoline and I can hear him laughing and that makes me happy but it also makes me so unendingly sad that I can't be out there Mm -hmm. with him so for me the art has it hasn't taken a backseat. It's just taken a, okay, I'll spend this time thinking about what really profound projects I can do, that I can slowly do so that I'm still, I'm still having that effect. I'm still finding mindfulness, but also I'm making sure that I live for another day and that my son still has a mum, and my husband still has a wife instead of someone he has to care for. And so that's, it's been a really hard thing this year to accept that I need to, I need to let one of the things that I love a lot <laughs> not go away. It's still very much, you know, active, but it's in the background mm. a bit because, you know, yeah, we're at battle stations, yeah. and that's been has been really hard. But it was so as soon as I went, okay, take mm. a deep breath, don't buy any extra canvases, yep. just do with do with what you've got for now. Mm. It was just this huge relief. Of, I okay, guess the beauty is to too, though, having had
0: that exhibition and the way that you have so beautifully and candidly shared your journey um, means that, you know, that conversation around invisible disability and illness is still going on in the background without you creating new art. So. That's the beautiful that's contribution right. that you're still making to the world and the community, and you know you're still raising raising that awareness, even though you're not physically creating art forms at the moment. And that's, that's such right. a powerful thing to families like ours. Like I can't I can't put a price on how important that is. Um, we have that's two totally older here. sons um, who are neurodiverse. And it's so difficult to explain how. I mean, that is an invisible disability. A lot of the time, physically, oh, yeah. they appear to other people like they don't experience disability, but people don't see it at its worst. Um, so, work like yours, I think, is just such a beautiful conversation starter. So, thank you so much for raising that awareness. I think it's really, really important. That's beautiful. Really grateful. One of
1: um, one of the um projects that I'm planning, my my little working, I'm doing um. I'm getting all of the MG sufferers around Australia to save their Mestinon bottles. Mestinon is one of the main medications oh, wow. that keeps us moving. And so they're sending me all of their bottles and I'm slowly working behind the scenes to make snowflake oh. Um So they'll be like hanging lights, you know, they'll have lights in them and they'll sort of be like hanging chandeliers of snowflake. And it's so snowflake represents um, gravis yeah. because it's a, all, all patients present differently. Um, But also it's sort of the juxtaposition of having a heat affected disease while you're in a a hot climate, but also to, yeah. And also to bring awareness of, um, you know, the, the importance of medication and we, we nearly ran out of it. There was a global shortage this year of Mestinon and people were sending it to each other interstate because there were, you couldn't get it. Um, And sort of the vulnerability that people are placed in when they're so reliant on Mm -hmm. one single medication, that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm. I am re- and that's why I said it. Like my art hasn't stopped. I've just stopped the physical side of it. But I'm so happy that you know, it. I'm still able to champion mm. those causes of invisible disability yeah. and inclusion. Um, and like I, I've, I've never been uh, neurodiverse. I'm loud, moving, never had sensory problems. But with this MG, I have started to yeah, at times. Right. I, it. It feels like noise is attacking mm-hmm. me. If I'm trying to do something and someone starts talking to me, I will just scream yeah. at them for no yeah. reason because I just cannot deal. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is awful. And I've never had to experience it. I can't imagine mm. living with this 24-7. This is so incredibly I don't want to say hard
0: and the interesting thing is so our children don't know what it's like to be neurotypical though so they've never experienced life in the other way so I suspect at times they may feel if they experienced being neurotypical they would find that really you know Really difficult. Well. Um, yeah, Our boys are hilarious. They're both um, on the autism spectrum. And you can just see them look at each other at times and go, why do all the people around us not understand this? So it's a beautiful thing it's that it, yeah. they've got each other and they interpret the world it in is. a very similar way. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, you're probably starting to get a little bit tired, so we're going to start to wrap up now. Can you tell? Yeah. I really appreciate the fact that you've made time to do this, particularly at the end of an IVIG cycle. Um, so we will put in our show notes, if you can just send me some details about where um, people can purchase your art so we can pop that in there and yeah, direct absolutely. people to your work because I think people are going to find it really really fascinating um what message would you like to give to the plasma donors who have donated to make your treatment possible and what would you like to say to people who are considering becoming blood donors in the future
1: i just want to say a huge bloody mm-hmm. thank you like it takes what is it about 20 donations for one round of IVIG yeah. for you know for me as an adult it's it's 20 donations it keeps me alive you know it keeps me moving and functioning and i am just so thankful Mm -hmm. that we have people that oh you know that yeah sorry no that's okay i feel it and it's
0: interesting because we're looking at it you know i say to people all the time (laughs) it doesn't just keep Molly alive but it keeps you know a little sister with her big brothers and it keeps a daughter with her parents and you guys have got the same situation. Plasma donors keep your family together because it keeps you alive and it keeps Absolutely. being a to Mason. It, it keeps me alive, but it keeps me having mm, a life yeah. too. And there's,
1: you know, a lot of times we focus so much on morbidity and, you know, a, about mortality and whether something could kill you, but there's so much between being a living normal person and being dead. There's so much life in the middle and IVIG helps me actually be able to live that yeah. life. And, um, yeah, that's like I put a photo up on my social media about the bubbles yeah. and every time I look at the bubbles, I think about how amazing it is that, you know, every time I have this round that is 20 blood mm. donations, people have given up their yep. time and their blood and, you know, we live in a world that we can actually use that to keep people, yeah. you know, keep people alive and I'm just really thankful that people do that. I used to, I go I, I, I did about 20 blood donations before. Yep. I was told that I wasn't allowed to because they didn't want my blood anymore.
0: (laughs) And I think people, that's one of the things that we're trying to raise awareness with through this podcast as well is that, you know, people think about, you know, premie babies or chemo patients or someone's had an accident you know car accident and they need some blood and it's that yeah. life or death type situation but i don't think people understand how much it can improve people's quality of life as well right um it's so much in the middle such a broad range of uses particularly for plasma that can be used yeah so um, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really look it's forward okay. to seeing you for um, your progress with your dog and I can't wait to see how that works yes. for you. Um, and we will keep following your journey. Um, we just, I just really, really appreciate Lovely. it. Lovely. Thank you so much, Chloe. Oh, thank you for inviting <laughs> me on. Mwah. Mwah. How incredible was Chloe? You can really hear towards the end of that interview that physical and cognitive fatigue was really taking its toll on her. And I'm so grateful for her bravery in pushing on and sharing her story with us today. Uh, Her story is such a great example of why we are hoping to shift the narrative of special needs child to additional needs family as it more adequately captures the impact of injury, illness or disability on a whole family and doesn't attribute the blame for this to one family member. I'm so grateful that Australian plasma donors are able to improve Chloe's quality of life and give her more time to spend with her husband, making art, focusing on her invisible disability advocacy, and most of all, creating magical moment for her and her son Mason. Nothing feels more Australian, like the modern demonstration of mateship, than donating blood or breast milk, and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift, and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This podcast is written and presented by me, Kate Fisher, with today's guest, Chloe Wigg. Audio production is by my wonderful husband and Marley's dad, Jeff. To make an appointment to donate plasma and other blood products in Australia, please go to www.lifeblood.com.au. And when you check in for your appointment, we would love it if you could ask for your donation to be added to the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood team tally. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave us a review and share this episode with a friend. And as always, I will leave the final word to Mali. Thank you for my plasma.